I think we have put so much unnecessary pressure on ourselves and accepting ourselves as moms. Are we supposed to be working? Are we supposed to be working? And with kids, are we supposed to not be working? This whole part of our life, this is the first time we're ever doing it, right? (laughs) This is the first time we're creating a family, having kids, trying to manage being a mom, a wife, and um, a parent, um, and ourselves, right? We have to show that we accept ourselves with all of our faults. We have to show our kids that we are not perfect. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone, and welcome to another edition of Mom to Mom, the podcast. So glad you're here today. So we talk about this a lot on the show, but with this parenting game, there's no guidebook. No one tells you how to do it. You have to figure it out on your own. And I feel like many times it's like running a marathon. And just when I think I have it figured out, they move the mile marker on me. So when someone comes along and gives us a set of guidelines or a foundation that's based in research for parenting, I am here for that. So that is why I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today. Donna Tatro is a former reporter and a teacher, and she has spent the last decade of her career as a parenting journalist, really immersing herself in the parenting space. Plus, she's got two kids of her own. And now she's adding author to her resume. So she just released a new book called The Castle Method to help families learn how to grow and love the best they can. And that's all we're trying to do. So to do so, this book dives into seven foundational principles. And lucky for us, Donna takes the time to break down each one of those principles and explain it for us. And by the end of this conversation, I was feeling empowered. You know how sometimes you just need a little pep talk. Otherwise, we can just be going through life and going through parenting kind of in autopilot. Um, After this conversation, I felt like, okay, I can do this. So here is my conversation with Donna. Donna, good morning. Good morning, Maria. (laughs) It is so good to see you. We go way, way back. And I haven't been able to congratulate you virtually on your brand new book, The Castle Method, Building a Family Foundation on Compassion, Acceptance, Security, Trust, Love, and Expectations and Education. So congratulations. Oh, thanks, Maria. I'm so happy to be here and so excited to talk to you. So we know you've been in the parenting space for a while. Why did you think that now was the time to write this book? You know, Maria, I've been actually working on this book for many years, and it kind of finally came to fruition. And all of the work I've done as a parenting journalist for these last 10 years or so, talking to literally hundreds of experts, educators, psychologists, doctors, parents, grandparents, to try to find out the best foundational building blocks for our kids. And this is an evidence-based book, so I'm really excited about it, to share it with the world. And it's really something that I want to share with parents to be compassionate to themselves and in their parenting journey. Well, that's the work we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to crack the code. We're trying to find people who can help pave the way and show us the way because this parenting gig, it is tough. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. It's tough stuff. So I want to dig into this and there is so much great information. And like you said, you've been working on this for years. So I want to jump right into it and kind of break down for us what you mean by the 
castle method. And then we'll take it, we'll take it letter by letter and just go for it. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So the castle method is an acronym used as a metaphor to build the castle, the family of your dreams, not the perfect family because there's no perfect family, but the best version of your unique family. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect kids. And what we want to do is we want to build this castle for this unique family and every family looks different. I like that. And forgetting about perfection. It's one of the things that we as moms, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves. And, you know, when we go to bed at night, it's never going to be perfect. So kind of breaking that idea apart and, and starting fresh, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's start with C, which is compassion, which is a great place to start. I think a lot of us could, even grownups can pay attention to this one. Yeah. So compassion is really important. It's really the foundation for all of the other elements in this castle method. When we have and can develop a compassionate mindset as a parent, we are going to open up the floodgates of what we can do with parenting. When we think about compassion, it might seem kind of like, uh, heck yeah, of course. But when you learn that skill set, so if you have a kid who's having an issue, a tantrum or something, when you have that compassionate mindset, you're able to then parent in a different way. And when we think about empathy, we think about teaching empathy to our children. Compassion is taking it an- another step further. So empathy is feeling what another person feels, but compassion in the definition is feeling that empathy and then moving toward helping or alleviating any kind of suffering of that person. So that's our children. And then also that compassion, talking about self-compassion for ourselves as parents. If we can model that, then we could build this compassionate framework for our children. It's really where we start when we parent. And even if there's the mud and the mess in between, we end with the compassion. Right. And are we talking about, I mean, I, my kids are still pretty little. Your, your kids are teenagers now, right? 13 and 14. <laughs> 13 and 14. So we're at different phases here. I'm um, almost five and Eight. Um, and so I'm trying to think of real life examples here of, you know, some of the things we deal with on the daily, like, you know, I don't want to wear these shoes. I hate these shoes. I want to wear sandals to school, but you can't, you know, is it really trying to put yourself in those in those shoes yeah. and, and feel like what it, what it would feel like to be five and just and, and to just, you know, try to be opinionated. Um, it's hard for us to understand because it feels like they're just being brats sometimes and just throwing a tantrum for no reason. But so you really mean just trying to like get yourself in their, in their mind. Absolutely. And they aren't brats, right? They're just kids. Sometimes. Who are to- <laughs> okay, fine. I will be real. Fine. And, and, and teens can be trouble, right? But when we know, when we know, this is part of the compassion chapter, when we know what's going on developmentally in their brains, just the surface of it. I'm not talking about what a neuroscientist knows about the brain. I'm talking about just the general aspects of knowing what's going on developmentally in my child. So that child who wants to wear the sandals, well, yeah, of course they do. They want to have the freedom and the voice to express themselves, right? But you're in Boston and it snows, so you can't really wear sandals all the time. So it's, it's, understanding and empathizing and then suggesting maybe when can you wear the sandals maybe when you come home and we can dress up we're we're trying to give the child the ability to have their voice under the circumstances but still meet expectations that they have to meet daily 
Right. And you never know the certain things that where they do draw a line in the sand. You know, they have so many requests throughout the day and there are certain things that for no reason that we can understand really matters to them. So, you know, I can be very impatient with the kids, but sometimes it's like, no, this one's actually really important to them and to understand why and kind of take that moment to figure it out with them. And I love that. And that's the thing. We can't do it every time. So when we say no, we can say no with love and compassion. But when we say yes, they can they they see that. So they have to have this structure, but also giving them the ability in almost as many situations as possible to use their voice because they are unfolding people. They're people. They're developing. We don't have to um, kind of just tell them everything that has to be done. We have to allow for this unfolding for this person to become the best version of themselves. Right. Because it's just the constant push and pull with control and they want autonomy and we want them to have some of that too. So we've used that example a lot on the show where I've talked about how I let my kids dress themselves because it's just not the hill I want to die on with the exception of, yeah, you can't wear sandals in the winter, but if they want to wear mismatched clothes and I let them do that because then maybe I get what I want in another part of the day, you know? I I love it. Yes, totally. A healthy lunch or whatever it is because I let them dress themselves. And so they got to, they got to check that box and feel um, empowered. Um, All right. We could, let's move on to, let's move on to acceptance. Yeah, so acceptance is really important and the research is really clear on this. Acceptance and rejection really affects our children. Even perceived rejection affects our children. So whether we're talking about LGBTQ or we're talking about a kid who is tantruming, we need to understand where our child is coming from and really understand that acceptance is key. When we allow our child to be who they're supposed to be, we are giving them this gift. Acceptance really does change the brain. And so if we have this knowledge as parents, like you said, it's it's a mix and match. We're trying to figure out, you know, can we allow this here and we can't allow this here. But when we have this true acceptance in our heart and we're teaching this to our children, they're understanding that I'm allowed to be me. And that's really important, especially when we talk about later on in life, social media, who am I? We have to be able to accept me outside of everything else that's going on in this world. So we want to be gentle with our kids and we want to accept them for who they are, not necessarily who we want them to be. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents who hear that. And there's a lot of parents who this is going to be a lot more challenging for. It is, Maria, but I think day to day, look, I've got these 13 and 14 year old boys who are constantly challenging me on different things that they want to do. And how can I support and accept them in who they are? Just because I, as a parent, it wouldn't be the best choice for me. If they're not hurting somebody or if it's egregious, we've got to allow them to really be who they are. And when we show them that, we're allowing the best brain development and growth. So again, it's it's not going to always be this easy path, of right. course not. But when we're knowledgeable and aware as parents and open, it just allows us again to say, you know what? I can accept my child. I can have a difference in opinion, but I know what I'm doing. This work matters to them and matters to their growth and development. And I mean, we could do a whole Oprah on this one, but what about (laughs) as, what about as women and as moms and getting to a place where we are accepting who we are at this point in our lives? 
I mean, this is such a good question. Look, I think we have put so much unnecessary pressure on ourselves and accepting ourselves as moms. Are we supposed to be working? Are we supposed to be working? And with kids, are we supposed to not be working? This whole part of our life, this is the first time we're ever doing it, right? (laughs) This is the first time we're creating a family, having kids, trying to manage being a mom, a wife, and um, a parent, and ourselves, right? We have to show that we accept ourselves with all of our faults. We have to show our kids that we are not perfect. We are not omniscient. We are fallible because this gives them this gift that, okay, if mom and dad aren't perfect and, you know, they can accept themselves for who they are, I can accept me for who I am with all my quirks. Yeah. I love when I don't get it right. And my daughter, especially who is, is, you know, more hyper aware of these things than my five-year-old. And, you know, if I get a question wrong or I make a mistake, I let her know, you know, like I screwed that one up or, you know, I, I did get, I did misunderstand that or whatever, so that they know that it's okay because being a perfectionist opens up a whole other can of worms. You know, we don't want to go down that road. No, <laughs> there, no. got the postcard. <laughs> No. And, you know, I think too, when, when you bring that up, there's a part in the book about teaching our kids how to say, I'm sorry, and teaching how to forgive, which is really important. And that doesn't mean just teaching them how to say they're sorry and just them how to forgive, but teaching, showing them, I know how to say, I'm sorry to you. I know how to forgive. So this is something that we're building. This is all this modeling going in. So it's almost like this foundation that we're building. It's not just parenting in this castle method. We're actually showing our kids that we're growing and evolving as well. We don't know it all. So we are working our way through the castle method. So S stands for, and I think this is so important, security. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah. So when we think about security, oftentimes we think about physical security. But what I wanted to really touch on um, in the Castle Method is emotional security. And that is really allowing our kids to understand and manage their emotions. We have to allow, especially our boys, the understanding that they are allowed to have their feelings. Culture has taught us and taught our boys that their feelings should be muted, right? Even girls. And so what we need to do is really help our kids with emotional security. And that really then builds in to growing mental health in our kids. If we have emotionally stable kids, for the most part, they're going to have ups and downs all the time. But if they have that to go back on, that builds in mental health security. And so that's what we really want to do. We know right now with all these statistics, what's going on with our kids. So this is something that we really have got to teach our kids. So really allowing them to feel the feels, have those emotions. I know that, you know, growing up, you'd hear things like, oh, don't overreact or calm down, you know? And I think now we're, we're learning that that can be kind of problematic, right? I mean, we want to let them express themselves in a way that's healthy. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not that we're, you know, digging into these feelings hardcore and letting them kind of just be in those feelings, right? We're really teaching them to feel those feelings, like you said, understand those feelings, 
And then we're going to help them move on to more positive feelings because we know positivity grows positivity. Again, all of this is evidence-based. So when we allow those feelings, they can then feel them, identify them, and move on to a more positive feeling. And really what we want to do is help our kids manage their mental health and well-being early on. And so, again, when we talked about physical security, we've taught our little kids from early on inside the home. We eat well. We exercise, right? That's all toward their physical. But we have to be overt in our mental health and well-being. And that's one way to teach this emotional security by really raising it up as young, young children. Even your five-year-old toddlers pre-K can understand and, and build those feelings. And we have that in schools, but we have to have it inside the home as well. Yeah, because a lot of times at school, they're on their best behavior. They're holding it all in. And then after a long day at work or whatever you're doing as a parent and you pick the kids up, we're getting what's left. And so yeah. if they aren't able to express themselves at school in the way they feel comfortable, it happens at home. And so unfortunately, sometimes that means that's when the, you know, the big feelings come out. But in some ways it's good because we're then there to support that. Absolutely. And I tell my 13 and 14 year old boys now, look, I'm trying to help you understand and managing your feelings, because when you then go on to get married and have your own family, you don't want to repeat generational things that have happened. Look, we my parents, amazing parents, of course, each generation is going to continue to grow and grow and, and do the best they can for their families. So this foundational work doesn't only help this immediate family that we have right now, but it then is going to help like my boys, as I help them manage their emotions, they're going to be able to manage and show their feelings to their wife, to their children. This is what we want to do. We want to grow this generational foundational um, approach so that we can help families throughout time. This isn't just about pushing on the parenting. I want it to build all families to be as healthy as they can be. And that makes sense with the metaphor of the castle and the foundation and all this. I see where you're going here, Donna. I <laughs> like it. All right. Next, we've got T, which stands for trust. Yeah. So trust might be, uh, you might think it might, you know, we're talking about trusting each other and stuff. This is really trusting our kids to know that they know what's best for them. Allowing our kids to make choices when appropriate, just like when you brought up earlier on about the shoes. Yeah, maybe that doesn't work, but trusting them on other portions of their life builds this trust and through science, we know, builds that resilience. We want to say to our kids, we don't want to end up like, you know, all these college kids who are going into college and having their parents talk for them at these interviews. What are we saying to them? I don't trust you. I, that is basically what we're telling our kids. I do not trust you. You cannot handle this. So what we want to do is build this early on. And that's when we're allowing our kids through acceptance and compassion and building on this trust that I do trust you. I get it. Maybe I don't agree with it, but I trust your judgment in this. I like that. And I'm trying to do that now, even with my young kids, when we go, my daughter broke her arm again oh, um, no. <laughs> for, for the second time this year. But I bring it up because we've been going to a lot of doctor's appointments. And when we walk in, I show her the window. I said, go tell them your name. 
at first she was a little timid, but I'm like, no, you just give them your name and let them know you're here. And, and now that we're doing that a few times, she's comfortable enough to go up and say she's there. And then she go gets her, her little x-ray and she comes back. I'm done with my x-ray. I'm letting you know. And just those little building blocks to start to empower her, to be able to order for herself, use her voice, speak up in class, you know, and um, it's, I think those little things matter. I hope they make a difference. Absolutely. I mean, I love that. It's so beautiful because you're telling her, you got this. I don't need to handle everything. The things that you can handle. Maria Montessori, uh, an Italian physician and educator said, who I absolutely love. I'm sure you know who Maria Montessori is. She said, do not do for a child what he can do for himself. Mm. That is one of the most important building blocks of the Montessori method. And so what you're doing is an amazing gift to this child. You're saying, I trust you. And that's what they want to hear. They want to do for themselves. And I'm sure that we have to trust ourselves too, like playing back into all the things we've been saying about, you know, accepting ourselves and giving ourselves grace as parents and as moms. We have to trust that mom gut. That mom gut is important. Oh my God, I love that. Yes, trust ourselves and know that we're going to make mistakes. And if we do make a mistake, we're going to figure it out. Trusting ourselves that, you know what? We know our kid better than anybody else. No doctor, no psychologist, no one. Yes, we can go get the help that we need. But ultimately, we have to trust ourselves as mom who watches this child every single day. And so I think that's really important. And to trust ourselves in this journey and to know we're doing the best that we can and to not hurt ourselves and say, I suck as a mom, or I'm never enough, or I'm overwhelmed. You know what? It's okay. We're human. Trust that you're on the right path. Love that. And L, I mean, we can't build on anything without love. Love. And so love is super important. And and the one thing I would love to talk about in this particular chapter that I I talk about is really teaching our children self-love. So we have been teaching our children self-esteem throughout the years. But what self-esteem does is it basically comes from outside sources, outside influences, mom, coaches, Mm -hmm. teachers, social media, social media is so damaging, we know. So when we can teach self-esteem, but then level that up to self-love, we're giving our kids this operating system that says, no matter what anybody else says, I'm proud of me. I can do this. So then when they're raised up higher as teenagers or going through difficulties and finding new jobs and different things as they go through adulthood, they're going back to the self-love, not needing the outside influences. So self-love, though, must be first inside mom and dad, right? So again, we're modeling. Again, we're going through this whole piece, this whole living of our family together. We're not just fixing kid. We're also working on us. If I had a soundtrack right now, I would pump in Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay. So we talked about love. So we are about to land this plane with E, the final, the final letter of the castle method. Yeah. Expectations and education are really important. So as we develop this child throughout, we also have expectations, right? They can't just run awry and just doing whatever they want. Of course, we want to allow them to be who they are, but expectations are super important. What is our family value system? What can we build in? What is what makes us us, right? We expect that you're going to 
do your best in school. You're going to try your best. We expect that you're going to do certain things. We expect whatever our spiritual connection is. So all of these different things, we still have to have expectations for our children because that, that grows them, right? And then that final piece is the education, just educating ourselves as parents as much as we can, but not worrying too much about whether or not we're up on all the latest research. Just educating, being curious. And I think that's really important as, as journalists, we're curious. And I think that that's why it kind of can come easy when you're curious as a parent, you're going to learn more and you're going to feel good about what you're doing. So as you mentioned, being a journalist, I mean, you, you were a journalist, you've been in the parenting space, you were a teacher, you've now written a book and done years of research and put this all together. What would you say right now is your best piece of advice for people who, for parents who are navigating this particular, very unique time, it seems? Yeah, I love that question. This is a really challenging time. Worry about past. Just move forward and know that you're working and doing the best that you can do. I really think that when parents can find self-compassion in their parenting, they can parent more easily. When we put all of this stress and all of the things going on in the world, it makes it really difficult and overwhelming. Be gentle with yourself, parents. I have to tell myself a lot. Be gentle with yourself, Donna. It's okay. You're doing the best you can. You're not a perfect parent. You never will be. So being really gentle with ourselves as parents as we move through this, I think is, is, is what I want parents to understand that you're a human and you deserve to be happy and gentle with yourself as well. What a great place to end this. This was so wonderful. Be gentle with ourselves. Be gentle with each other. Um, Donna, you've given us so much great information here. It's a lot to take in, um, but this is wonderful. And congratulations on the book. And thank you so much for spending this time with us today. And that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, Donna and all of her great information today. Like I said at the beginning, this just gave me a little pep talk, the pep talk that I needed to get out there and parent the best I possibly can. You know, we're just trying here. Um, thank you for joining me today. If you want to catch up on all of our episodes of Mom to Mom, we have so many now for you. All you have to do is search Mom to Mom with Maria Sansone wherever you find your podcasts. And if you find yourself in the New England area, or you can always watch us online at NBC10Boston.com, we are on the air. Mom to Mom is on the air on Mondays at 1130 a.m. So I love to see you there. Have a great week, everyone. And I'll meet you back here on Mom to Mom. <laughs>